Welcome to Page It to the Limit, a podcast where we explore what it takes to run software in production successfully. We cover leading practices used in the software industry to improve both system reliability and the lives of the people supporting those systems. I'm your host, Scott McAllister, at STMcAllister on Twitter. Today, we're going to talk about building technical communities. Founded in 2012 by four hackers who are passionate about finding vulnerabilities in some of the tech industry's most prominent companies, HackerOne has grown its community to over 800,000 hackers. Their mission is to empower the world to build a safer internet. We're joined today by Luke Tucker, Senior Director of the Global Hacker Community at HackerOne. Luke, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So to get us started, tell us a little bit about yourself and give an overview of HackerOne as a business and your role specifically. Yeah, happy to. So you did a good intro for, for HackerOne. We've been around for about eight years now. And uh, one of the stats I'm really proud of for our company is we're cross-source security. So we connect hackers on one side of a marketplace with companies and organizations on the other side. So we took a model that was championed by the Facebooks and Googles and Mozilla Firefoxes of the world and in the early 2000s. And we turned it around to make it accessible for many, many people. And uh, one of the, the stats that we love to talk about is how much we've paid to hackers and that number is now over $115 million that uh, in the eight years since HackerOne is founded, 45 of that has been in the last 12 months, Scott. So it's pretty crazy to see the growth in this community, the desire and interest from individuals and companies that are looking to tap into the cybersecurity talent. Because as probably many of our, your listeners know, and you might have even known we've talked about, there's a massive shortage of skill sets that know and understand security and can do it well. So it really makes a lot of sense to tap into the global workforce. I'm like a chief talent agent. <laughs> As the head of community, we're all about community engagement, retention, and growth of this really incredible group of people. And that's what we're about. We want to be the number one place for the world to come to for cybersecurity talent, and we're well on our way to get there. So you mentioned that you've uh, paid out quite a bit of money to hackers. Explain how they get money. How does that work? Yeah, so they we send out homing pigeons and then they come back. <laughs> it's actually really a, uh, a fascinating part for anybody that's in an early stage startup. I'll tell a quick little anecdote of like how important the payments functionality was in the early days of HackerOne. It's such a pain point to pay anybody in a country that you're already headquartered in, but to think of the th hundreds of countries in this world and how crazy it might be to pay someone in Estonia or something. And then to have all the options and, and hackers love HackerOne payment mechanisms for them. It's actually pretty easy. Started with PayPal. PayPal is one of our largest bug bounty customers and, and have a huge public program. We just did a massive live hacking event with them virtually earlier this year. The, with all the tools that are just at their disposal, it removes the pain point from our customer base. The other thing is swag. Uh, I'm sure many developers in your community absolutely love swag. Uh, we were talking about some swag that I have on today from a live hacking event. Hackers just eat that stuff up. So I can't tell you how many times we get hackers that, oh, I just want the hoodie. The hoodie is like our quintessential achievement. You, when you hit a certain milestone on the platform that you've hacked enough, you're going to get recognized for receiving that. Or we'll do many giveaways and things. But those are two like basic examples of how when we pay someone, we obviously have to make sure they're not on like what I call the OFAC list, right? Office of Foreign Assets Control in the United States. We can't be paying terrorists and 
things like that. So we help remove any of those pain points for, for customers and organizations. And we work with some of the most scrutinizing organizations in the world. Like you might've heard of Hack the Pentagon. That was a HackerOne project closely with the Department of Defense and the Defense Digital Services about four, a little over four years ago. And our relationship with government, not just the United States government, but UK-based agencies, European Commission, as well as the Singapore Ministry of Defense and, and others, they trust us. We got we got the community, we got the ability to pay them and obviously to send the swag. So as a developer, I'll admit, I mean, I like money. Don't get me wrong. I like money. But good swag is awesome. And for all you listeners, Luke is wearing this hacker one shirt that is basically modeled after a soccer jersey. So it has the patch of the event in the upper left breast of the shirt, just like a soccer jersey. And then it says hacker one across the front, like a good sponsor. So that was, I, it caught my attention the moment uh, I saw it. So I can see why, why swag would definitely speak to your participants. What are some of the myths or misconceptions that you would want to debunk about hacker communities? Yeah, I give a talk where I start off and I just pull up like a screenshot image of a Google search. And it's like, if you ever see those wired autocomplete interviews, with celebrities, right? And it's, it's like the internet's asking this question and then they peel off the answer. So it's kind of like that, but I pull up and say, it's like hackers are. And then you it just like Google's going to show you people in black hoodies and dark rooms with green screens. And, you know, we're it's funny because we're joking about the hoodie swag because community does love it, true to form in that way. But not true to form is like people equate hacking with malicious intent that like, many people in the zeitgeist the term is not equivalent to what especially in like a silicon valley vernacular like if you take an aerial f- shot of the facebook headquarters it says hacker way mm. like hacker this term of it's a creative intellectual thinker who who enjoys overcoming limitations that's the hacker one definition so anybody who self-identifies as a hacker should have a home on hacker one we have many cybersecurity enthusiasts those who come and hack on bug bounty programs because their software, you know, there is no such thing as perfectly secure software. So a myth is hacking is not evil. In fact, we celebrate this achievement. We talk like life hacking is like a thing, right? Like you Google all these different resources out there to try and like find the best way to improve your life and whatnot. Well, at HackerOne, we will never shy away from the term hacker. It's like if we're going to sell to these massive enterprises and the governments that I mentioned before, we can't shy away from that term. We have to embrace it with all we can and all the great things that come with it. So a myth is anybody that you see on the, on the news or in media that references hacking in a negative way, turn it around and be like, that's a cyber criminal. That is not someone who would be represented in the HackerOne community and others probably like yourselves that would identify as I'm a hacker. Whether you build or break something, both sides of the community and many hackers are developers, not all of them though. You don't have to understand all the intricacies of how to build software and understand code. You're going to be benefited by it. But that's another myth. Everybody thinks like, oh, I have to understand all these different aspects of software. It's like, honestly, no, you, you're kind of reverse engineering in many ways. You're actually doing some black box testing externally. So if you can just think outside the box, that's the beauty of a crowdsource model is it's creativity from all around the world. We're better when we do security together. We're better results when you get the minds in that same room. So that's a myth. Hacking is not evil. So true. And if you want to take your definition of hacker, I'm very good at the breaking side of it uh, when you talk <laughs> about software. So you, you're the community builder and the community is gigantic. I mean, 800,000 hackers. Talk about some of the keys to successfully building such a strong technical community. 
the I call it the 110-100 to kind of like break the community down. So the 800,000 registered user number, it's a power law distributed marketplace. So the bigger the community, the sharper the tip is going to be more valuable. So like the, the, the best talent will, will come to the top. So I say power law distributed because it's even more acute than like Pareto's law. It's like 20% of the people do 80% of the work. In our case, it's more like the 110-100, the meaning like out of that 800,000 group, we invest a lot into the educational side. So we have a uh, hacker101.com is anybody who wants to, to either level up their skills or get started hacking. So they can start from zero and try and get to the private bug bounty promise land where they can earn money. When they go into these labs, they, they go to simulated real world environments. And so we invest a ton into education. And that group of people is around 90,000. So that's like about 10% of the overall registered user number. And then you go all the way down to the people that are super active week in, week out. That's going to be closer to that 1% number. That's pretty standard in a power law distributed marketplace. We have thousands upon thousands of people that are engaged in security work on a platform, 70 to 100,000 per month. For any community, it's all about retention and engagement. So they have the choice, right? This is a very in-demand skill set. So we are not the only bug bounty platform of choice, but we are the top. So we invest the most in rewarding hackers the best. So when I mentioned the 115 million, that's a priority for us. We want to be structured from the beginning in any ways we engage the hacker community to pay them top dollar. So when we roll out new products like pen testing is a new crowdsource pen test model on HackerOne. It's more pay for effort versus the bug bounty is pay for results. So you would, could spend 10 hours on a weekend and maybe you don't find anything. You're getting good security research. You're learning a lot, hopefully, but you're not actually resulting in valid bugs that are getting paid out. So you're not getting the reward that way. That's kind of the part of the difficulty of bug bounty for people that are just getting started. If you do pay for effort work and pen testing, we're able to pay that community a much higher clip than any competitors that are out there. And this affords opportunity for those that are the dollar goes a lot further to pretty much live the life they want with some more predictability in that income stream. The top bug bounty hunters make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. This is a very lucrative space and it's very accessible for many people that dedicate. A guy on our platform called Space Raccoon, a Singapore-based hacker, he started on Hacker 101 learning in December of 2018. And within 18 months, he accelerated up to be one of our most valuable hackers. We're putting him on billboards and events. He had gone through all the learning material and he accelerated through that. Now, he was also a computer science graduate from Yale. So he had a pretty good stability of technical gifts and turned it into the security space. So I'm always an evangelist, right, Scott? So I'll tell all your developers, they should moonlight as bug bounty hunters as well as builders. It'll help make them better developers. It'll help make them more to producing more secure software because that's what that's what really what we need. So some of those aspects of building put your community first and do it from the top down. So if we reward them, we also know they come to us to further their career. So they want to learn, they want to earn. We have the premier CTF solution that's 24-7 educational. We do some of the best live hacking events and beautiful swag that we can give them. We reward them for their efforts. We do leaderboards. It's ego enhancement. We do a lot of collaboration. And I can talk more about some things that are very recent, but we're doing more regional-based, community-driven building with leaders in different regions. So I heard a great stat from a company, Duolingo. They develop English software. And the founder was uh, a Googler that just, yeah, I think he developed CAPTCHA, like a brilliant guy. But they have like a very small community team. And the way they kind of can do events all around the world is by building leaders in these different regions that just want to get people together to learn. They want to all learn English. So a community is just people that keep getting together. That's the important part over a common cause.
So they're all interested in the same thing. And we repeat engagement is what kind of defines that community. And the long-term sustainable communities are going to have people at the top that are saying, I'm going to build with you, not for you. I love what you said there, how a community is a group of people that keep getting together over a common cause. Because then you can take that and it just shatters all boundaries as far as like, we all are in communities, we're all building communities, whether they're at work, or whether they're in our, you know, in our society, like in our you know, towns. Or- I can't take credit for the for the quote. Yeah. If, uh, if you're interested in this, and I, uh, I recommend a book called Get Together by Kaya Morsoto, Bailey Richardson, and Kevin Hune. They, they run a company called People and Company. And they were at Facebook and eBay and Instagram in the early days. And Kevin, I think, did some cre- cool stuff with Creative Mornings. So they are passionate about community and they're some of the experts. So they wrote a book published late last year and they've got some fascinating things to say. Very digestible, very readable. And some of those like clairvoyant truths, like that phrase, where it's just like, this makes a lot of sense. Awesome. That's great. Great recommendation. Thanks. I'll have to check that one out. So with a community of 800,000, how big is your team at HackerOne that manages this community? So our CEO, Martin Mikos, always jokes that he says, Luke, you have the biggest team at HackerOne because <laughs> he's like, you got all the hackers. But our full-time staff predominantly focused on community initiatives only or my team. Uh, there's six of us, including myself. And we also oversee a Discord group of about 30,000 people primarily built around the educational platform, the Hacker 101 resources. And so we have about 12 part-time moderators that help in that big group because the the health and and the purpose in that, like communities at scale can go toxic quickly, right? Like communities and, and social media bring out the best of people and the worst of people. So you always make sure as you can be inclusive and bring in people outside of your kind of core audience initially. Like at the very beginning, when you're growing communities, it's about, and just, this is the same for startups too, get 100 fans, 100 people that are super passionate fans. That's the beginning of something special, no matter what it is, 100 fans. And going back to, from our community, our team side, we do a lot of events. So COVID really shifted our calendar for 2020 quite a bit. We would be in conferences and doing regional-based work in different universities and schools and producing live hacking events in exotic places around the world. So my team, give big credit to them. We had to pivot pretty quickly into virtual experiences, but it's been a positive way. And I encourage anybody listening is as you try and mirror essentially some of those experiences you might be doing for your community in the physical space where it was so rich it was wonderful to see them, high five them in person, get to break bread and share drinks together. Like that's just a rich human experience that you will never replace with any virtual experience, but we can reach more people. So there's like, there's drawbacks and benefits. And it was a forcing function where for us, many of our customers that do these live hacking events with us invest a lot of time and money to make it happen for the hacker community. We have to convince them to be able to pivot to the virtual space. And so when you have no choice and you're like, well, we think it'll work. We think this is going to be great. Let's try it out. There are some great partners with Verizon Media and PayPal. We've got some other big events that are coming up. We just announced another one. So that's just one example of you can be a small team. And I'm encouraged. And I challenge my team with the Duolingo example. I'm like, hey, they had a team of like five to six people. And they were putting together 3,000 different groups because you have to develop the leaders. And so for us to scale our reach, we have to reach in and find those ambassadors in the community that can like level up. Because if Luke stops coming to the meetup, is it going to keep going? Who's that person behind me? Like leaders develop leaders and we can't be just like forcing their hands because it's not going to have long-term stability. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I manage a local JavaScript user group and making that shift from the the rich personal experience to a, a virtual experience has been hard. In fact, it's pretty much non-existent at this point because we don't have a way to connect or that we've really taken the effort to do that. So as you've hit this new era where we're less you know, physically in the same spot as we used to be, have your tools changed or is it more just a kind of just a shift of thinking and just kind of saying, okay, let's just now it's virtual. Now we're doing the same thing, like you said. Yeah, they've shifted maybe a bit or you double down on certain tools. Obviously, we're a fully distributed team. So from us to get work done, it's pretty, you know, we're pretty accustomed to that for how our community interacts with us. Like we've had the longstanding Discord group. We started doing more Twitch. So as a tool, like getting out, we, we started on Twitch stream. We have a YouTube channel that's had a lot of content. We've done streams there. We're very active on Twitter. And we invest in Slack and Discord groups. So our community kind of connects with us that way at scale. You know, and we obviously use tools like Intercom to be able to communicate through our platform with users. So, hey, c- congratulations on this milestone. Or, hey, here's a learning uh, learning module that you might find valuable. And obviously anything related to the bounties they receive or vulnerability reports and comments on reports. Because that's the, the majority of the comments and the experience of our community comes through the staff, the technical staff that's reviewing the validity of the bug. And that's either our professional services, like our services team at HackerOne, so triagers that will review it and and provide feedback and ship it off to the customer to fix it or or do whatever they need. Uh, Or sometimes customers uh, can manage their own program. And so they're, they're the ones directly interacting. So that's actually a majority of their interaction with us comes through that report uh, module when they're submitting bugs and doing the work like engagement to us is valid vulnerabilities and bounties and uh, in terms of pen tests completed or hours submitted in terms of work, things like that, that we're measuring. So if our engagement's there, that doesn't really change too much because we're pretty much operating that way. In fact, COVID has really driven a a significant increase in the interest top line because people are like, well, I'm home now. I've always talked about doing this or thought about it. Why not now? And others that are like, well, I have more free time now. My social calendar is pretty much next. Might as well go make some money hacking on HackerOne and build community, build friends. And and so we've invested a lot more into virtual experiences through CTF. When we produce these live hacking events, the production, instead of a physical real estate space, which has its, all its own complexities of like finding the right real estate vendor, getting the Wi-Fi, gosh, the Wi-Fi in these different places. is so like with 50 to 60 hackers being on a network, trying to roll up their scans and, and do what we need to do. You can imagine the bandwidth that, that's required to, oh, yeah. to maintain that. Uh, but we're just p- spending more money to have partners in a virtual space. Like I had never used OBS before. If you had OBS, open broadcasting system. You can be a producer and manage all these Twitch streamers basically pull in like an OBS feed of like your audio and your video. Like these are things that personally, I don't have to do as much. My team does more of it, but those are things that we had to learn. So if you have people that are really accustomed to doing physical event planning, the switch over to virtual is a lot of the same kind of ideas to execute, but the actual tools and and the investment, very different. So those are some of the, the tool answers. And I wrote a blog on Heavy Bits blog that we can reference in the materials that kind of goes through a little bit more of the kind of the arrows in the quiver, so to speak, for how we at HackerOne approach communicating and building our community at, at scale. Yeah, we can definitely add a, a link to that blog post in our show notes. You mentioned that folks have, because of the added time that they've have a home. Have you seen more uh, like an uptick in activity in, in more people or just people being more active uh, now that are, you know, in the last six months? We have. Yeah. Even I'm trying to pull the actual stats. I think during coronavirus, this is early part of this year, I think new hacker signups increased like 59%. 
Uh, bug report submissions, so like somebody that found something and submitted what they thought was a valid bug, increased 28%. Organizations paid 29% more bounties in the months immediately following the start of the pandemic than the months before. So those are some just high-level realities of what we saw at the top-level interest and then the the engagement throughput for the community that from a community management standpoint, that's what we want to see. At the end of the day, our customers come to us to tap into the creative intellectual humans that are on the other side of the marketplace that hack one vets and provides a rich reputational graph so they can go forth and solve more idiosyncratic problems. That's why they're with us. So when we look at valid vulnerability submissions, bounty volume, that means hey, these vulnerabilities were there already before. Now you're getting more time and attention there. That's a really good thing. Uh, and that's that's actually a challenge. Any company we even work with, they have to communicate to their internal stakeholders of, of why this bug is a good thing because we're actually more secure as a result of HackerOne's help. What other types of metrics do you would you use to measure a success of a community? I mean, you, you're talking about like, you know, number of bugs found or number of people involved. Uh, what are some other metrics you would use? Yeah. So when I talk to the team, we measure our community in three primary ways, criticality, consistency, and community. So I want critical reports. I want to increase the impact of the submission. So at the beginning, we mentioned valid vulnerability volume. If you find a valid bug, hey, that's a really good thing. Is the bug you found more critical or more impactful or better written than it was last week, last month, last year? So I want to measure the improvement of and speed of accomplishment of critical. And then I want to know if you're consistent. If you consistently hack on a target and you're performing, you're going to get rewarded for that. And then the community side is being professional, like the golden rule, right? Like do unto others that you would have them do unto you. I make the joke all the time that like having a a valid security bug submission in, you put it up on a whiteboard with five different security experts in the room. They're probably all going to debate to some extent, the criticality or the nature of it. Like it's just, I'm sure there's very good developer examples as well. It's like, What's the best way to do this? What What is the true impact? And everyone has their own qualitative opinion. So there's always that difficulty in the, the hacker security analyst or customer relationship sometimes. That's why you work with a platform to help. Hey, we've seen lots of these cases. We can help communicate. But we're looking for those those professionals on our platform that get it, that, that aren't coming and just demanding or coming selfishly saying from their own way. We help provide some of that. So when I talk about community, it's measuring that capacity. And the code of conduct, making sure there's no violations, making sure they have professionalism. We're actually tracking more because we qualitatively look at a lot of the reports. We can say, here's a really good feedback, nice, well-written, you know, incredible proof of concept or professional engagement or responsive. Like these are qualities that will show forth and we can actually then track the performance on both sides because we want to, we have a value at HackerOne called default to disclosure. And so as much as we can, we want to encourage transparency because we believe transparency builds trust. And the only way to do security, the best way is together. And that's why HackerOne and CrowdSource Security kind of exist in the first place. And we're building on top of that innovation. So those are areas that I want to track. And we talk about hacker satisfaction. So we do a a net promoter score to our entire earning audience or learning audience. So if you're on our platform and you're doing CTF or learning modules, or you're finding uh, bugs and making money, you at some point in the calendar year are going to get a request to fill out a survey to tell us how we're doing, to tell us how we can improve. And we measure that in a kind of a a scientific way. It's an NPS score. It's same as what we do on the customer side. And um, we utilize that to be able to surface up. These are the three primary areas that, hey, we as a product or, or as a company need to improve product and service, because it's not just the technology that they interface with. Most of it is human interaction. 
because it's we, we're not there yet as a platform where we can auto analyze and get all the beautiful machine learning so that any bug they submit is going to tell you if it's good or not. We have some of that baked in at the front and we're iterating and adding more, more nuance as we have the largest vulnerability database probably in the world of any company. We're going to be able to build really fascinating things with that data. Uh, going forward, but criticality, consistency, community, and the speed of accomplishment of those and the satisfaction scores that we measure. And if somebody wanted to get involved with HackerOne's community, uh, you mentioned before that there's, there's the Hacker101.com. Tell me more about that and, and what that helps do. So Hacker101.com, CTFs, learning modules, free resources. We've got dozens of videos on there produced from members of the community uh, by HackerOne for free. And you go on, when you do the CTF flags, which are basically simulated real-world bugs, and you find flags, it's a fun puzzle, you're going to get invites to private bug bounty programs on HackerOne's platform. So you kind of will see a ticker at the top of your experience that will say, hey, two more flags, and you're going to get your first private invite, which will then allow you to utilize some of those skills you've just learned or applied or proven, and then go find bugs in the wild in bug bounty programs, which have a policy page, a bounty table, kind of gives you the lay of the land. So Hacker 101 is for anybody that wants to either level up their skills. Do you want to learn GraphQL hacking? Are you a GraphQL developer and you want to go test some of your security chops? Well, go in. We have a whole learning module for you. Three or four videos, a couple different libraries of, of Capture the Flag challenges. We also do CTFs off Hacker 101 platform for different events all the time. So we're very active in that space, believe in it strongly, invest heavily as a company, and we'll continue to in the educational platform because I think it's one of the best ways for really anybody to kind of either ease in or come in at the top and prove because we track going back to that, the speed of accomplishment. I have metrics and reports that will show me if Scott came in and you found three of the hardest flags in the same 48 hour window, you're going to flag up on a report and be like, oh, hey, let's get this person more opportunities and they're going to go to kind of a fast track queue because we want to help you develop faster at recognizing talent development. That's hard in a massive community. So the more we can do that through Hacker 101, the better. And uh, we have a whole community of people that are learning alongside you. So join the Discord group, chat alongside other hackers, other people that are in various stages of learning and you can help achieve your goals, whatever you want to do. And this is more of a personal question for me. Is there like an age requirement I have a son who may be very interested in this. Great question. There is not an age requirement to sign up, but just like any laws of the land, in order for someone that's underage to get paid, mm, you have to go through a, a legal guardian to, to ensure that. So there is no age requirement to sign up, but if you're going to get paid a bounty, then you'll get to that point and you'll make sure that you have, have an adult or a, a guardian or someone that, uh, that will be able to, to vouch for you and go through the same steps as like many other things uh, for kids that are underage. For sure, for sure. You might be seeing me sign up in in lieu of somebody else then soon. Now, HackerOne has an event coming up uh, later in October. You want to talk about that? I would love to. So Security At, which brings together individuals uh, that are interested in security that are part of the hacker-powered community to learn all about vulnerability disclosure, submissions, security best practices, running bug bounty programs, vulnerability disclosure philosophy, all the things. We've had some incredible guests in the past. Go to hackerone.com slash security dash at and this is the fourth annual event that we've run, and it's virtual this year, uh, just like any events that you're pretty much experiencing. Uh, coming up October, I believe, 20th to the 24th, depending on the time zone you're in, it's going to have some different dates so that you can have access to that material. And of course, it will be available thereafter, but register now. 
Uh, we've had thousands of people already sign up. And also check out hacktivitycon.com has hacker-related resources that we just did a virtual conference. So security at probably pretty soon after we release this content, Scott, they're going to be able to get on that list and register and participate with uh, people all around the world. Super cool. So we have a, a tradition on this show where we have a few recurring questions uh, that we'd like to ask you. And the first is, what's one thing you wish you would have known sooner uh, when it comes to securing software in production? You could also do hacking and test servers. <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> true, true. And it's good, right? It's good to do it in test first. <laughs> Depending on the attack surface, um, you know, that's our term for basically any app or scope. A lot of times hackers love to test in prod, but comp- it's it can be a challenge sometimes. So if you can have a simulated environment that that is up to date and that is not, you know, existing with bugs, because one of the hardest things for hackers is if you have known issues that you haven't fixed yet, but you throw it out for them to go hack on it, they submit something. And they tell you about it, you're like, hey, sorry, I already knew about that. Mm. Uh, I'm not going to pay you anything. That's kind of a crappy experience, right? So as much as you can have the most up-to-date, patched, secured stuff in a simulated environment for them to just go ham on and go nuts. The other thing is the more that you can open up the scope so that they can pivot internally and be able to tell you where the real damage is, not just like, here, let me bypass your WAF. Like that's not going to be as most interesting for us. And what's something you're glad we didn't ask you about securing software in production? I'm glad you didn't ask me about uh, when things went wrong. Like with <laughs> HackerOne or just, oh, just with like someone going uh, no. like a bug bounty? I mean, we have hundreds of thousands of programs and thousands upon thousands of hackers. And so just any ingredients over time when you've been a company for eight years, there's no shortage of challenges and things that can pop up. So I'm glad we didn't have to go into the air in any dirty laundry Everybody's got them. Everybody's got bugs in software, just like there's bugs in processes. And as as we've scaled our our community and excitement, I'm glad we didn't have to dive into all that. No problem. What a note to end on there, Scott. Right. <laughs> as I commonly tell people, it is software. Therefore, it has bugs. No truer words were spoken. Yes. Luke, thank you again for joining us and uh, for sharing with us uh, about the, honestly, the meteoric rise of, of HackerOne and, and the community that you've built there. And uh, congratulations on, on building such a strong and big community. And, and thanks for sharing that with us. Scott, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. This is Scott McAllister, and I'm wishing you an uneventful day. That does it for another installment of Page It to the Limit. We'd like to thank our sponsor, PagerDuty, for making this podcast possible. Remember to subscribe to this podcast if you like what you've heard. You can find our show notes on pageittothelimit.com and you can reach us on Twitter at pageittothelimit using the number two. That's at pageittothelimit. Let us know what you think of the show. Thank you so much for joining us and remember, uneventful days are beautiful days. 